Welcome to Bubbles and Books, a podcast about two of the best things in life, books and champagne, brought to you by Amanda and Ellen, co-owners of your local independent bookstore, Dog-Eared Books in Ames, Iowa. First, give me a cheers. Okay, we're ready. And books are sexy. Okay, so here's my idea for today's conversation. That, you know the game, like, if you could pick anyone living or dead to have dinner with, who would it be? But I want it to be, if you could pick any living author and have dinner with them, like a group, who would be at your table? Uh, That's hard. I know. So we could think about it. How many people do we get to invite? How big big is this table? I would say you plus five. I can invite five authors. Okay. So apparently the the people, the, the way you usually play this game is six people living or dead. And I'm going to change it to, you can invite six people um, living, still alive. Any author, illustrator, anyone working in books who's alive. Because the idea would be like, they could actually come to our store. Okay. And what's one thing you would have to eat or drink? Is that weird? Like what would, no, I, what would you be serving? What would I make for them? Or what would you want to have? You don't have to make it, but what would be the ideal, like, food or drink to drink, beverage to drink with? Oh, I don't know. All right, I think I have my six. I have my six. Okay. But it's not an easy choice. Like, maybe I have to have it once a year, just like six different people here. Welcome to another episode of Bubbles and Books. We are going to drink French champagne that was imported by Toad Hollow, a vineyard in Heldsburg, California. And it has this cute little Moulin Rouge. Um, what are those lady call, ladies called that dance like that? You know what I'm talking about. Are they the can-can? Can, a can-can frog dancer. It's called Risqué. We so, got it. We got this at um, after I allowed Rachel to come to Hanson with me. We toured some uh, Omaha bookstores, and we went to a place that Rachel has frequented as a wino, and it's called Corkscrew. Ooh, that sounds so yeah, fun! So, so, do they just have lots of good champagne? Lots of wines, and like we, they have like cheese plates and things like that. And then so we ate lunch there, and then we bought a couple of wine. Made investments in our blog. We did. I mean, in a podcast. We made an investment. Okay, here we go. Woo! (laughs) (laughs) I was scared. So there's this line in um, It's a Wonderful Life that is like, what are the three most exciting sounds in the world? Train whistles and, you know. It's not exciting to me. I'm like, oh, shit, I have to stop. I know. (laughs) He's referring to the sounds that indicate travel. Um, and because he wants to get the hell out of town and see the world. And we know he doesn't end up doing that. But to me, one of the best sounds in the world is champagne popping. I like that sound too. Yeah. Here, cheers. cheers. Ding, that wasn't Rachel. a very good ding. You got to try again. Ding. Ooh. Is it the makeup of this science? Because normally it dings. I know. Maybe it's our glassware. We use the same glassware every time. No. <laughs> Actually, when I was bottling wine at the winery, and one day um, our machine 
was so pressurized that when we clinked the bottles together, it sounded like plastic. Rather yeah, this sounded was, way yeah, more plasticky. Yeah, rather than that pressurized. I don't know what it is. Science! But my hand. Is it good? I it always. Too was, sweet for you. I sucked at science. That was my worst class. I was Ooh, not great at it. Oh my god, this is like candy. I got a B okay. in meteorology we in college. Need the sugar to get us through. And the only thing that got me a B was the curve. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I bought this because of the label. I know. It's really cute. It is risque. It says sweet sparkling wine, though. Yeah, so we knew what we were doing. We knew what we were doing. But Rachel knew what she was doing. You know what? It's alcoholic it's, juice, so it's, you know, can't complain. It's appropriate. It can represent my sweet, sweet love for Taylor Hansen. Yeah, totally. I got into, you know how sometimes you catch the bug where you're going to be like, I'm going to clean the shit out of my house. Oh, did you have it And happen? it never happens. So when it happens, you, you like, got to go. You did it. So that happened to me on Tuesday. And I blared Hanson and I cleaned the shit out of my house. That's amazing. I'm so jealous. <laughs> I've been awesome. feeling it like I need to do it. I need to do it. I need to do it. But I just can't turn over the time for There's it. There's always like something that happens where you're like, all right, I'm all in today. And for me, it was like I started I was like, I need to go to the grocery store. So I went through the fridge and I was like seeing what we needed. Yeah. And I started pulling out stuff that wasn't good anymore. Mm-hmm. And I, and then that leaded me to like, actually like cleaning, cleaning the fridge mm-hmm. and then the freezer. Nice. And then I was like, well, here we go. Guess I'm going to have to do all of it. <laughs> I love you. So I and it. have you ever noticed that our husbands never hit that? I mean, have you, has your husband ever got like on his own, then like disappeared for like six hours and come back and he's like, this is all clean. No. Yeah. Never happens. Although I will, I will give Tyler props because he did, um, he has been doing more unprompted things. You get a badge, like he's, Tyler. He's very tidy. He's always been kind of tidy, but mm-hmm. like the cleaning, cleaning, usually I do it or I have to be like, Hey, can you do mm-hmm. this? Mm-hmm. But last weekend he like cleaned both of the bathrooms. He loves you. Without being asked. Because he loves you. I mean, I clean his fridge, so. Yeah, exactly. So what are you reading right now? Well, mm-hmm. good question. I finished Our Wives Under the Sea. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Mm-hmm. Everyone should read it. It's weird. It's beautiful, haunting, sort of horrific. Um, you didn't pass horrific. out? No, no, it's not like that. Okay. No. And then... For a book club, um, I read, for the store book club, I read Firekeeper's Daughter. And so I, we actually met today and I wasn't finished with the book. So I got up at five this morning to like finish the book and then prepare for book club. Um, but so this book is by Angeline Booley, um, who is an indigenous writer from Michigan's Upper Peninsula, which is where the book takes place. And it's a YA book. Um, but it is so badass. Like the char- the main character, Donis, is such uh, a wonderful character. I really enjoyed reading the book, but I would love, like, I think all like teenagers should read the book. Right. Um, Eloise read it. I'm sure you'll give it to Jay. <clears throat> yep. And Donis is, uh, has just graduated high school and she is, was planning on going to the University of Michigan but now she, at the beginning of the book, she's changed her plan. She's going to attend the local college. Uh, her grandmother, her mother's mother is dying. And Donna feels like she really needs to be present for her mother. 
um, because there's been some other recent tragedies in the family and she just doesn't feel like it would be appropriate for her to leave at this time. Um, And then uh, shortly after the story begins, she finds herself uh, caught up in, she witnesses a murder and shortly thereafter finds herself as a confidential informant for the FBI who's investigating um, the spread of meth through this area of the country. And so it's kind of a twisty sort of mystery, like who's bringing the meth in? Uh, these murders have happened. And Donis is sort of like right in the center of it. Um, but it's a beautiful portrayal of a culture. And Donis, I think we were talking about this in book club this morning is she's such a cool character because she is very concerned about duty so she very much believes in like that you have a duty to your family, to your mm-hmm. community, to your culture, mm-hmm. to your elders. Um, but she also believes that like you have to set boundaries and do things for yourself too. So she strikes this really wonderful balance of like how That's do you beautiful. live a life where you care for the things you are obligated to care for <laughs> and you do those things because you genuinely want to, but you also care for yourself. I won't give anything away, um, but there's kind of a love story to this. There's a mystery to it. And the ending is not the ending I expected. It was so much better. Ooh. And great review. Uh, this book is being turned into a Netflix series, and I think it will make an excellent series. Okay. And then there is a follow up, but kind of a sequel that's coming out in May. And it's Donis is not the main character of that book, but her niece uh, or her little cousin, I guess. Um, Perry, who makes an appearance in Firekeeper's Daughter as a six-year-old, is now a teenager and is the main character. So of cool. The next book. So anyway, I will definitely read it. Loved it. Thought it was so cool. Any adult would enjoy it. I, as a book club, we agreed this was the best book we'd read this year. Everybody liked Bravo. it. Bravo. Um. So yeah, what are you reading? I'm reading two things right now. I'm really excited to have a digital advanced readers copy. Of Jane Smiley's yeah, new book. I'm gonna have to start that. Um, I have to pull um the cover for you. Um, it's a mystery, right? Uh, well, I da- dangerous business is what I think it's called, and it's set in California in the 1800s. And I do love Jane's fascination with um history time periods in history and she's a really versatile writer too yeah I mean, like she doesn't write the same story twice and so what i love about this book is that from the get-go her writing is jane's writing it's clear um it's i i, I can i feel a connection with the protagonist. Yeah, so Dangerous Business. Um, the main character um, is a young girl who kind of got married off um, to someone her parents thought was prosperous. She was from Kalamazoo, Michigan. This guy portrayed himself as having money, but really he was just someone setting out to try and get money in Cal- or get gold in California um, and make his fortune that way. Um, and it is evident that from the very beginning, it is a user abuser relationship. Um, 
is not a love match. She had, she had a love that she had to, you know, let go because her parents married her off. She gets to California and the, the, it, the book starts by saying like, her husband's died and she doesn't give a shit. <laughs> She's pretty happy. And I love that. I love that the book started that way. Um, but we know that the way she finds a way to make a living is by becoming a sex worker. And she works at a house run by another woman, uh, surfing the love interests of the men of Monterey. And she is very, um, empowered it's a healthy work environment and she's grateful for the work and the money and she feels secure and that she gets to take care of herself for the first time in her life and just kind of loses touch with her family but um where the mystery part comes in is that some girls are going to start disappearing and i don't know what role the protagonist is going to play in it but we're reading this because we'd really like to make this a special pick for the store in december um, one that we'd like to share with a lot of people because we love Jean Smiley um, and we love the way she pay, plays tribute to Iowa, but also, you know, she she lives in California now. So I think she's digging into California history with this book. So I'm reading that. And then I'm also reading this really cool, um, <laughs> like, bit of feminist writing. I'm not usually one who's like, oh, um, I, I want to read everything there is on feminism and let's see who's, you know, writing a thesis or what have you. But this book has a killer cover, great graphic design, um, teeny little slim volume with French flaps that I love. And it's called Daddy Issues, Love and Hate in the Time of Patriarchy by Catherine Engel. And um, I picked this up at Storyhouse Book Pub. Uh, we love Abby, who runs that store, it's her little baby, um, and she just has a gorgeous store. We love exploring indie bookstores because we know that their owners and their readers are going to be picking up things, finding things that we don't have in our store. Yep. And so it's part research, but also part you know indulgence. This is a good book for me because um, it talks about how the feminist movements have largely overlooked the role fathers play in their families in, you know, fighting for feminism. Um, and my father was a father of four daughters. And um, I think, you know, he, he might like to think he was a feminist, but he wasn't. A bit too many comments on appearance, the size of my butt um, and where my worth lay. Um, and so I think all men need to take the opportunity to reflect on what it means to truly be a feminist, especially in the role of father. So once I'm done reading it, I'll be handing it off to my husband. It is academic type writing, but it is very slim um, and easy to pick up and put down. So that's okay. what I'm reading. Awesome. And I have a fun game. Well, a fun conversation for us today. I loved your game. I'll have to play you. Um, don't play me. I don't like you playing. In the future, I'm going to give you first lines again. We're oh, going to return to that because you know that what? was so fun. You know what though? Like what? I will, I will bomb it. I will bomb it. I will. I just want to see how you do because okay. I know you, you know, your books. Yeah. So, but I don't know that I would remember for first lines. We're going to play a fun game. It is, um, a game as old as time. It's been posed as to many. As old as time. I wonder when this question was first posed, but it's one that's frequently 
uh, presented to famous people as kind of a gauge of who they are and what their interests are. So like I can see here, the New York Times asked Barbra Streisand, what six people living or dead would you invite to dinner? So that concept of who would you invite to dinner? Okay, I'm going to change it up a little bit because I want to know who living and working in books, authors, illustrators, I mean, I'm not really interested in publishers or anything. I mean, they all do important work, but I'm curious who <laughs> you, whose work you've consumed, would you want to invite to your intimate dinner? So you and six people. Okay. And I'm going to add what's one thing you would eat or drink just because I want to know. Okay. So you go first and then I'll tell do you. Do I mine. have to list all six of them at How one about, time? No, you can tell me one, tell me why okay. and move on. One person I would invite is, so uh, so a couple of people I have on my list are people who, like, they publish a book, I'm going to read it. Right. Mm -hmm. okay. So one of those for me is my girl, Barbara Kingsolver. Yeah. Love her writing. I love, I think she is such a fascinating person. I can right. follow her on social media. Social media. Um, so I would totally have Barbara over. I would agree. And I knew you were going to pick her, so I didn't put her on my guest list. <laughs> Just in case we overlapped. Um, but, but I she, would. That'd be easy commute for her to I drive know. like from my house to your yeah. house. Okay, I'll keep so that in Barbara, mind. Barbara, you can come to both our houses. Really. Yes, or we could have a, a joint two tables in the same location. Oh, we could set it up in the in the bookstore and cater food. Because <laughs> this is how I am. I'm like Amanda, very optimistic. Amanda's table and Alan's table. Yep. Um, you're at Amanda's table, and thank you for coming. So I firmly believe in that. In that she is just a badass. She is a, I, I feel like she is one of those people who in a world that was seen as all male for so long, she was one of the first to stake her claim and like, nobody can beat her. Like she is doing some of the best work there is in writing today. So yeah. Bravo. Good choice. Okay. Who would you invite? Okay. First on my list and in no particular order is Sophie Blackall. Yeah. Okay. I love her for so many reasons, um, but I love her illustration style. It is so detailed. It's just the sort of thing that I would have poured over for hours, become obsessed with as a child. Um, I discovered her in some of her early work. Um, Edwin speaks up about this little boy that nobody can understand. He's like the youngest in the family. And he keeps trying to tell his family, like, mom forgot her pocketbook on the roof of the car, or you told me not to forget the sugar. Um, and you guys left the sugar. So nobody understands him. That's how my second born Charlotte was until way past you. I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't understand <laughs> you, but you have so much to say. Um, but I love her so much, um, in, if you come to earth, this new book she has where a young child is writing a letter to someone out in space and saying, if you came to earth, these are all the things I would tell you and show you. And it shows the diversity as well as everything that unites us as living creatures. It's so gorgeous. And the other reason I love her is because she opened up this new like writer's retreat in upstate New York called Milkwood. Milkwood NY is how you can follow her on Instagram. And her intention is to create this beautiful, beautiful space where writers and book people, librarians, uh, illustrators could all come and do their work 
in an environment with other people who practice um, the same trade and be inspired and um, have community. So my one of my dreams, like a bucket list thing, would be to find my way to Milkwood, to be accepted, to go work <laughs> there. Um, I have no aspirations of writing a book. Well, I mean, well you have an idea. I don't I know. know. You have an idea. So maybe we could try and get to go there together. But I love you, Sophie. Okay, who's up on yours? Okay, so... Another person whose books I always buy is Tana French. Mm, good choice. Um, I love the way that she writes. I love the way she spins mystery. Um, I love the way she de- really fully develops characters, um, but still maintains the tropes I love in the genre, but it yeah. always feels original. I know nothing about her. Do you know anything about her? I know she's Irish. Yeah. I just don't know. Like, is she... So we like, would probably have to have some beer that, or something. Yeah. Oh, I doubt it. I doubt it based on her writing style. Okay. Um, but yeah, I love her books and I'd love to like just pick her brain. Yeah, like how do you come up with this? Yeah, and, you and build it. Yeah. She has she has a way, she's a very like atmospheric kind of writing, and there's just a way that she captures feelings in writing that I haven't seen a lot of authors do. Yeah, really cool. Um, I'm going to piggyback off of you because that's your favorite mystery writer. You know who mine is. <laughs> Louise do. Penny. You wrote the Inspector Gamache series. She lives in Canada. She based um, the series or the, the Town of Three Pines on the community near where she lives. I believe she has so much heart and love and goodness. And she's so intelligent. And she's had losses in her life. You can feel the suffering she's experienced, but also the hope and love. Um, and there's so much heart in these books. And she also writes a super smart mystery, um, usually a homicide that Gamash has to solve. Um, my favorites are the ones that bring us back to Three Pines or involve some of the characters, the really amazing, hilarious um, unique characters who live in this town that the Gamashes become friends with. I just can't wait for her to book her, her next book to come out. Um, I think her next one's called a world of curiosities and it's coming out this fall. And, um, it's the most interesting cover I've seen done so far, but I just get so jazzed up. <laughs> yeah, um, <I> she wrote a <laughs> uh, world, uh, state of terror with Hillary, um, this past year, and that was her first step outside of the Gamash series. So it's her new one at Gamash? It is Back to Gamash. Okay. I have the sense that she and Hillary are going to write another one. Okay. Um, but I, we'll wait to see. And I love that there were teeny threads um, between State of Terror and the uh, Three Pines Gamash world. You didn't. You don't need to be a Gamash fan to read State of Terror. But, I, but as a fan, you are and you're, you're delighted. You see some things that look yeah. familiar. And I yeah. think... I think she is a lovely, lovely, lovely person. Well, she hangs out with Hillary Clinton. Yeah, and she's really tall, and she loves dogs. (laughs) She dedicated her last book to her golden retriever. Oh, that's why you love her so much. BFFs forever. I enjoy her books, too. Mm -hmm. I have not read all of the Gamash series. I think I've read, like, maybe the first four. Um, But they're ones that, like, yeah, I think you can kind of come to whenever. And they're, again, of that sort of cozy. They're not cozy mysteries. No. But they have the town itself and the people has this sort of like. There's a beautifulness. I yeah. literally went to Montreal <laughs> and the Quebec region did. because of those books. I was like, husband, we are going in the winter to Quebec. And we did. 
And I was like, oh, this is so cool. I totally get it. <laughs> I, I like I saw the scenes where Gamache went stumping through Montreal. Anyway, I love that. And um, I think she would be great to come to my dinner because it's going to happen. I'm going to send the um, invites. Obviously. <laughs> okay. Who else would you invite? So I put Isabel Wilkerson on on my list because Isabel Wilkerson wrote most recently she wrote cast which is an excellent book yes um but she also wrote a book called the warmth of other sons about um the migration north after uh, reconstruction and she is such an amazing nonfiction writer Mm -hmm. weaving sort of academic writing with storytelling and when I read that book, I felt like, man, I wish I had read this book mm-hmm. sooner. And I feel like everyone should read this book. Mm-hmm. It's a fascinating and really significant part of American history. And that really informs the reality now mm-hmm. that I think a lot of people don't think about or don't know about. And that's really a shame. Yeah, it should be required reading for high school. But she has um she always writes about important things. Mm-hmm. She's a Pulitzer Prize winner. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I would love to like I feel like she's a person I could like talk to forever. Forever. Yes. Yeah, you would learn so much. Yes. Okay. I didn't pick anyone nonfiction, but I will say I have another kids author pick, Kate DiCamillo. Oh yeah. She's from Minnesota, so I'll hold out hope that it could actually happen. But I also follow her on social media, and she sees joy everywhere. And she writes love in everything she does. And to spend time around someone who is filled with that much goodness and positivity would be like a balm to the soul. So everything she writes is amazing, but the person she is, I think, would be a great influence on, yeah. on me. All right. I also have Louise Erdrich. Yes. Do you have Louise Erdrich? No, I don't. Okay. Uh, everything she writes is magic. Yeah. Uh, and she's a Midwesterner. Yeah. She's also from Minnesota. And, she has and we met her daughter, so maybe she would actually come. Please. She has a kick-ass bookstore. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like she would just be a really rad person to hang out with. Yeah. And it, it sounds like anecdotally, you know, we've heard from other people that She's really cool. Anyone who's been like at an event with her, they're like, she's awesome. And she's, I mean, she's, she writes, I mean, she's a Pulitzer Prize winner. She writes amazing books. But when we were in her bookstore, you know, she, like, there were handwritten shelf talkers by her. And so yeah. I think she believes so much in like, not just her own storytelling, but like storytelling. Yes. And so I'd love to talk books with her. Yeah. I would love to talk books with her. Yeah. All right. Who's next for you? Okay. This would be my like, if a book is coming out by this author, I'm like, oh my God, what is it going to be? <laughs> um, Amor Tolls. Uh, yeah. So I did not fall in love with him at first sight. It was a slow burn. <laughs> I read. You actually have, I think you have the legitimate hots for him. Um, for his work. And I'm not saying he's not a good, like, I don't get like, I think you I don't get crushes him. like you do. But like I would, what was the movie about Vegas and the guy he, he, um, he gambled away. It's Nicolas Cage. He got into trouble gambling. And so he offers up his wife for a night to this like sleazy Las Vegas guy. 
come on, it's a movie. I don't, I hate Nicolas Cage. <laughs> I know, me too. But, it and it was a Vegas movie for sure. But if I had to get offered up to someone for a night, it'd be Immortals because I would take advantage of it. I'd be like, tell me everything. I find his backstory so interesting. So Rules of Civility was his debut novel. He left a highly privileged um, job as party foul. Party foul. Give some of this, pour some of that in hers. No, it's okay. I... Rachel. <laughs> so sick of you and your diva fucking bullshit. Um, okay, so he wrote Rules <laughs> of Civility. It's a tenacious D, okay? And he um, left his <laughs> finance world job. He came from a family of very privileged and successful people. And he had made a pact with a friend in college that he was going to become a writer. Um, but to please the family and kind of the vision of what he should be, he went into finance, made a lot of money, then he left. And now he's an extremely successful author. Um, he wrote Rules of Civility. And then A Gentleman in Moscow is where I really went deep. And I don't know if it just hit me at the right time. I'd also recently read a nonfiction book about the Romanov family. Um, this would be just in the aftermath of the Romanovs. That gentleman in Moscow takes place. It was just surprising and heartfelt and different and so rich. And I love his writing style. I know. It's just surprising. He I draws love to be really surprised. interesting characters. Yeah. And he writes like, like he's one of those, like when I read Lincoln Highway, some of the stuff in that book, I was like, how'd you even think of that? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so the Lincoln Highway, like that really got me excited because they come through Ames and it's, it touches on something we know. We know that road. We know this region. They start in Nebraska. They come through Iowa. They head to Chicago and then they head out to New York. And I love that he now has, you know, teenage boys coming of age and a little brother, you know, like fantastic. Yeah. You know, where, where did you come up with that? So I, I hate it. He only publishes about every five years. Like, I hate it. I, I know there won't be another next year. I'm going to have to wait a long time. He's a he's a tease. Mm. Okay. You ready for my next yeah, one? Yeah, I want to know. Okay. I would um, totally hang out with John Krakauer. So mm. he's a nonfiction writer. Um, most notably Into Thin Air. Mm-hmm. And Under the Banner of Heaven, but he's, he's written a number of books. Uh, Missoula. Mm -hmm. um, I've read, I think I've read everything that he's written. Mm -hmm. And he writes in kind of a narrative, nonfiction way. Um, but like, <laughs> the, the, the way that he writes is so compelling and you like have to know more. Mm -hmm. And Into Thin Air, especially. So I had read, I think the first book I ever read by John Krakauer was Under the Banner of Heaven. Yeah. Which is a series on Hulu now. Ooh, I did not know. Yes. So check that out. Um, but Into Thin Air is about this disastrous Mount Everest mm -hmm. trip. Mm -hmm. And I was vaguely aware of, of this incident. Because mm -hmm. people who climb mountains are really fascinating to me. Me too. I love I people who do, do extreme it. things. Like Diana Nyad swimming from Cuba to Florida. Yeah. Fascinating. So I knew that this book was about that sort of expedition. I did not know that John Krakow was actually a part of that. I expedition. didn't know either. 
he was there. And so it's like this whole amazing wild story. And he it was it wasn't like he was just interviewing people after the fact, like he lived it. Um so yeah. He's had yeah. some really interesting life experiences and he's met a lot of really interesting people. I do think that he would be a one of kind person to meet because the type yeah. of person who goes and climbs Everest is yeah, gonna be a but little I mean, different. He, every book he writes, I mean, is totally different. They're not like they're all different subjects, but they're all sort of important and fascinating mm-hmm. in their own ways. Mm-hmm. And um, he writes in a way that's very like, uh, it, it humanizes people and experiences. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah. Okay. My next person is Emma Straub. And the reason I pick Emma Straub is because. Because you love her. I do love her. I think she's such a great, humble, real person. She's a great mother. She is, again, one of those people who is just so positive. She is a happy person. You can tell she was loved growing up and she loves her family. And that comes out in everything she reads. So like everything she writes. And when I read her writing, even if there's stress and conflict in the book, you know, the characters are driven by their love for one another. And that's how I live life. So her books really reflect the way I live and the way I think and my ground, you know, moral compass. Um, I love Emma and she owns Books Are Magic, similar to Louise Erdrich. Yeah, I would person. love talking bookstore with her because she works hard for her bookstore and people love Books Are Magic. They're so much fun. And we kind of have it in there in that we, we got a great mentor from one of their managers who is always willing to answer questions anytime I want to bug him. Um, so that would be my person. Okay, who's your last? Because it's number six, right? Yep. My last would be Donna Tart. Yeah, <laughs> you're so good. I said, I love um, anything Donna Tart writes, most notably The Goldfinch. Donna Tart publishes about every day. Yes, years. so bad. Uh, but it's like you understand why it t- takes her 10 years to write such a fucking awesome book yeah. because her books are perfection there's literally nothing yeah. wrong with them there is not a word that is wrong there's yeah. not a sentence structure that is wrong there's nothing wrong with them where does she live that's what i want to know i want to know i i just love to figure out who the person is behind the book uh, and that's what would be so fun about being at dinner be like as long as he would answer all my probing yeah. questions yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, tell who, me everything who'd be your last person? okay you would enjoy this person but i want to invite kevin wilson i had him on my i know list, and then it's i was okay. like you're gonna have him yep see yeah we trade um i love kevin because nobody writes like him everything is odd and he would admit it's because he's odd he has a tick in which it's it's like Tourette's, in which he has repetitive thoughts that he cannot rid himself of. And it affects his behavior and affects his life. And he might not come to our dinner because he would not enjoy having to go out in public. Um, <laughs> but he um, said, you know, he's very much at home with his family and his children. Um, I really enjoyed learning more about him in his interview with Terry Gross that he did um, after Nothing to See Here. And he referenced what would become the book that's coming out this fall. And we're so excited about it. Now it's not the time to panic. It's going to be a big book at our store. We're going to do some special things with it. Um, He has a Southern accent. 
and he's very sweet. And he also said he comes from a loving family. Um, he's very close with his parents and his sibling. And I love that. Like you can see it influence his writing. Um, but he, nobody writes like him. It's no. going to be unusual and hilarious. And I will read everything he writes. Same. He is, he is one whose work I will always read. Okay, you're all invited for dinner. So what are what are we having? What's the main? Question? I'm gonna hire um, the <laughs> best. Yeah, because I'm not gonna do any work. I'm gonna be focused on bugging these people for information about their personal lives or intimate details. I'm gonna hire a really good mixologist, and they're gonna make uh 20 different cocktails. Wow, and so you're, gonna, you're not just talking; you're getting drunk. Yeah, it's gonna be a long, long dinner, like a six hour dinner, <laughs> and I want a fresh cocktail every 30 minutes. <laughs> And I think I'll be okay. And in terms of six, that's 12 cocktails in a row. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. I guess I 20. I don't know. Well, a dozen is fine. 12 cocktails, one every half hour. Um, And I don't need any vodka. It will be all the others. And then for food, what do I want? No. Oh, I love Harbinger in Des Moines. If you've never been and you live in central Iowa, you must go to Harbinger. And so I would call their chef and be like, the most important authors in all the world are coming to my bookstore and you must cook them dinner because he is very like vegetable um, focused in his in his menus you always know what the primary ingredient is you know like there's going to be mushrooms in it but you have no idea what you're about to eat oh my god everything they make is amazing and it's all <laughs> locally sourced so i don't i would just say yeah harbinger's gonna cook the food somebody's gonna mix 12 different cocktails over the course of six hours okay what's at your dinner um i'd probably ask my mom to make dinner because <laughs> my mom is a really good cook um, I have had a famous guest for dinner. You my have? House, and my mom actually did do the cooking. Good. So I had Madam Vice President Kamala Harris had dinner at my house. And this my, isn't even theoretical. Like you legitimately got a badass did. at your house. I did. And my uh, my parents came and my mom made dinner. What'd she make? She made enchiladas. Yum. And uh, my kids made a salad. Kamala brought the salad ingredients and she made the salad with my kids. But my mom is an excellent cook, so I would just have her cook. Okay. And for drinks, I'd be like, welcome to Iowa, and I'd slam a pack of, like, bush light on the table. Okay. Just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, what would I get? Just bottles of wine? Yeah. Maybe some crap You're not beers. picky. That's what's nice about you. White Claw. No, I'm going to give them White Claw. I might bring them, like, you know, like, Exile. I might get some mm-hmm. beer from, like, Exile or something like that. I, I know, but I'm not going to serve White Claw tomorrow. Maybe I would. I don't know. We have some popping new releases this week. Everyone is so excited. I am bubbling with excitement. <laughs> Taylor Jenkins Reid has a new book out. Carrie Soto is back. This is kind of tied loosely to Malibu, the world of Malibu Rising. Yeah, they're all like kind of in the same universe. They, they are in the same universe. And I love that authors are doing that. So don't let it turn you off from picking this up if you haven't read Malibu yeah, they're Rising. All, they're all standalones. I mm-hmm. mean, like they. Every book, like Evelyn Hugo, mm-hmm. uh, Daisy Jones and the Six, Malibu Rising, are independent of one another. Yeah. So we will have a gazillion of Carrie Soto is back. It's a gorgeous <laughs> a golden cover. Um, this is about a, a star, a tennis star. And 
and she is a minor-ish character in Malibu Rising. Mm-hmm. So get ready. There's nothing Taylor does that isn't worth reading. And she's about ready to produce a, a movie with a friend. New news out. She's going to make a movie. Okay. Um, the youngins are going to be excited because Karen McManus has a new book, Nothing Ooh. More to Tell. So, so she is it in that like series that she has, or is it separate? I think it is its own. It's a standalone. Um, but she writes thrillers like nobody's business. These are everybody's favorite books. Um, it's about private school, and um, somebody died. A teacher died. And so we got to figure out what happened. Those private schools, geez, you're paying a lot of money for bad things to happen. Um, In middle grade, fans of Amari and the Knight Brothers are going to be super excited because the second in the series, Amari and the Great Game, is coming out this week. Oh, awesome. Yeah, she is a wonderful hero. They call this Artemis Fowl meets Men in Black. Yeah, and it's going to be a trilogy. That's what we hear. So we'll find well, out the what first one. Amari and the Night Brothers has been oh, really popular. Yeah. And a, and a bookseller favorite. Yep, it is. And um, back to YA, um, a series that everybody in the store loves and all of our customers loves is the Inheritance Game series by uh, Jennifer Lynn yeah. Barnes. Oh, my goodness. We sell so many of those. This is the third in the series. And I believe the conclusion because it's called The Final Gambit. As soon as uh, copies hit the store, one of our booksellers, Jess, just grabbed it and did a happy dance and made some weird noises. So she's very excited. Um, we have a new Alice Feeney. Alice writes um, suspense mystery thrillers. She has a new one called Daisy Darker. So if you loved her last one, Rock, Paper, Scissors, um, you can pick this one up. It'll be really good. In YA, we have the sequel to Six Crimson Cranes. My daughter loved this one last year. It is kind of like a mythology fantasy retelling uh, about a girl who has powers um, that endanger her. Her brothers, her many brothers, end up being turned into swans, I think. And um, she has to save them. And so this is... The sequel to that original book um, is called The Dragon's Promise. So what's popping in the store, ladies? We got to talk about what's happening this week. Um, uh, so tomorrow, story time with you and Lovey. I love doing story time. I'm getting some regulars. Um, I really love them. They love petting Lovey. They're great listeners. They get excited and engaged. So 10 o'clock, it'll be whatever's fun and new. Whatever floats our boat that day. <laughs> Oh, we have a big one tomorrow as well, too. But you can't come if you're not an educator. <laughs> yeah, sorry. If so you're a teacher, have, you better get your we're butt here. a teacher distress night at Dogyard Books. So we are closing early um, at 4 o'clock. And we are open only to teachers, 4 to 8 p.m. And we're going to have free drinks, cocktails, and mocktails. We're going to have door prizes. Uh, we're going to show you a good time. We appreciate the work teachers are doing. And we know that there is no tired like first week of school tired. And we want you to have a night where you can just do stress and hang out. So, yeah, we love you, teachers. Yep. And that's the end of our August. So cheers to next month's great reading. Remember, uh, subscribe, like, follow. 
because you want to find out what's happening in dog-eared books every single week. Yep, and if you don't live in Ames, you can always follow us on social or hit our website to order books. Follow us at at dog-eared books Ames or at dog-eared books on TikTok. All right, listeners, keep the champagne flowing and the books going. This is so great. It's so great. (laughs)